Well, hey, folks, and welcome back to the 747 Conversations podcast. It's your host, Chris Shembra, broadcasting live from beautiful New York City, here with a, a tremendous woman, a, a neighbor in our great city, Michelle Buster, co-founder and head treasure hunter of one of my most favorite companies in the world, Forever Cheeses, an organization that's been around for since 1998. They're one of the world's leading importers of artisanal uh, food products from overseas, Italy, Spain, Croatia, bringing them over to the United States, distributing them um, through distributors and wholesalers, and, and getting some of the world's best cheeses, meats, honeys, almonds into the restaurants you love. Um, they are the producers of my favorite cheese in the entire world. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. So welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's uh, it's going to be a, a delicious conversation in, in so many more ways than one. Um, with everything you've brought into this world, the artisanal spirit, the family-style dining experiences, the things that you, you know and love and, and do so dearly, the simple question I have to start us off with today is, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, or... Just I've never thought to give any credit or thanks to, whether it's someone you've never met before or someone you've known your entire life, who would that be? It's impossible to pinpoint it to just one person, especially with all of the experiences that I've had and I've crammed into my so few years here. Um, I think, of course, I have to credit my family for letting me be a free thinker. Just, you know, that and at school, the teachers that I had that I loved. I mean, I always got into trouble because I didn't follow directions. They always said, A student, great grades, does not listen. And that happened all the time. And I, um, but I thank all the different things in my childhood, in my life, and the people who enriched me, so that it gave me the courage to do what I felt, and the people that I had to support me. And if I had to pick one of the most important people as well in the later stages would be my partner, Pierluigi, Pierluigi Sini, because we're talking to me now because I'm in the cheese business, because we source and we find these amazing products. But I didn't know cheese. I loved the cheeses that I tasted when I lived in Italy. But it was Pierluigi who took the time to teach me about those cheeses. And not just cheese, but the entire Italian culture. Like, I, inside and out, I became Italian in culture. And I feel very fortunate to have had somebody who has been such a great mentor in, in that way that helped me kickstart me to not only look there, but it made me want to go and, and do other things. But I think that's, I'm naturally curious. And how did you first meet Pierluigi? And what was, and what was the first things that stuck out to you about this great man? Huh. Um, we were talking a little bit offline before. Uh, I was working on a golf tournament in Italy. I was sitting in the lobby of this small hotel because I hadn't yet found an apartment. 
and I was waiting for some people to pick me up to go for gelato in a town called Tarquinia. Um, this man walked up to me and invited me to come with he and four other guys. And I'm like, I'm in Italy. I'm not just going with just four other random guys somewhere. But the owner of the hotel said, no, they're good people. Just go. And I went and I had a great time and Pierluigi was amongst them. It was Pierluigi's brother-in-law who came and invited me. And um, we got to know each other better through many tennis games, really. And, uh, and then eventually became a couple until 15 years after that, we were in cheese and we weren't a couple, but still partners. Um, I, it's hard to tell you what stood out. Um, those are things from a long time ago, but he didn't talk much then. Hmm. I remember that. But the things that are relevant to later on wasn't really much that I learned beforehand because he would just disappear in early mornings because he was driving the truck. You know, he did everything in those days. I'll tell you what stood out. Getting into his car and it smelled like Pecorino Romano. <laughs> that stood out. That's not a bad thing. Um, when it's ground and tastes, feels like it's ground to the seats and not fresh ground <laughs> onto your food, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but just, you know, that whole experience was an amazing experience to then, I guess, they were all foreshadowings into my eventually doing something with food. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that here you were, this you know, young woman in Italy, you're over there working in sports, and you're sitting in the lobby of a great hotel, and this one person vouches for these four group of men that invite you somewhere, and, they, and this person says, no, 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 it's, it's all right, they're good people. What would make him say, what would make that concierge say that Pierluigi and, and those four people were good people? Oh, but no, we're not talking concierge. We're literally talking like a six-room place, an inn Perfect. with the owner. And everybody's in the neighborhood. So it's down the road. So he knew Mauro, the cousin. So they were all people from neighboring towns. So everybody knows everybody, even though they're in the towns. You know, good people. Mauro was the hairdresser. He was the guy who worked at their, um, their restaurant and sporting club. So people just know. And that's pretty evident. I mean, big heart people. And, um, and hardworking. I mean, Pierluigi was still young in his family's company at that point. So it really was all about, um, just in that encounter, um, I, I remember more of my conversations with, with the brother-in-law than specifically with Pierluigi in those early mm, times. Mm -hmm. So. And, and Pierluigi came in at a, you know, a very you know, pivotal stage in your career and he ended up helping you fall in love with Italy and falling in love with cheese and falling in love with this kind of artisanal lifestyle. I already loved Italy. You already? Okay, I already perfect. loved Italy. I had already been back many times. Um, I fell in love with it years earlier. And what he, I mean, you know, when you fall for somebody or whatever it is, every, you just see things differently. Um, there was no plan for me to work in cheese or in the company. That is something that, as a matter of happenstance, after I did all of my events and I was working a year more, I worked on the Olympics, there was another event in Spain, I finished my event in Italy, um, my life decisions, you know, Pierluigi at that point had gone to the U.S. to 
improve his English and then was doing some work for his father's business there. It was just kind of after I went back there and my, um, I was supposed to work in World Cup soccer and I was waiting and I was waiting and I was waiting and the New Jersey office like never really formed. So I had to work and I was a data processor and I was tired of doing that and I got some really uninspiring offers to work as executive secretaries and it was, they were great people but I'm like, do you really think that, you know, do you see me doing this? First, I was like, I don't see myself doing this. And I just would, we would talk about this business and how frustrating it was to try and make a place in this business of the cheese business. And I mean, I didn't know anything about it, but what I heard was, you know, a frustrated person, you know, Pierluigi being frustrated because he just wasn't placing his cheese where he thought it should be. And so I just started to say, well, why don't we do it? My job's not coming out. I don't want to do this thing. I believe in your products. I, I love them. I love the family. Um, why can't we do it ourselves? You know, teach me cheese. I'll figure the rest out. I was like, just teach me. How did, how did Pierluigi communicate his vision? You know, how, how did he communicate his family's lineage, his family's, you know, want to bring their products, their passion, their purpose to America? Um, well, I guess it was in a lot of ways. I mean, we would just did a lot of things. There were trade shows. There was just going through shops. There was looking at shelves. Um... There was just a lot of conversations because he had already been working with an importer and done some traveling and seen some things. And his vision was that the future of his family's cheese wasn't in the Italian industry, but it was in the specialty food business. So he, he had that clear vision. Um, he didn't just want to be pigeonholed into what was that Italian sector. So I just listened, and we did some research, and we traveled, and we looked, and that's where we decided to to take our strides to start, to become a member of specialty food industry, to do different things, you know, try things out. And you mentioned that he didn't talk a lot back in those back in those days. Um, you know, what inspired you? No, that was when I met him. It wasn't later. Oh, okay. Later, sometimes it was hard to get him to stop talking. Oh, okay, gotcha. What inspired you about him as a leader? You know, you, you know, you you left the sports world to to take a shot on something. Um, you know, with this other person. You know, what what inspired you about his leadership style? Well, I mean, I left the sports world just on a personal level to to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that we were going to end up working together. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was like, no, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't work together. It won't work. You know, we shouldn't be a couple and work together. And I was like, no, I, I, we should give it a shot. You know, I think it can work. My parents worked together um, for a number of years. My mom traveled on the road. So, you know, why, why shouldn't this? Um, and it's, we're still, we're still working together. 
And what inspired you about his leadership style? I don't think those, that's the way I was looking at it, uh, necessarily. What inspired me was his passion for the family's products. What inspired me were the products themselves. Um, I'm not capable of talking about selling, doing, or being a product if I'm not passionate. So honestly, it wouldn't have mattered what he had to say or do or lead if in the end of the day, the products that his family made, if I didn't like them, because it just wouldn't have worked for me. So it was, it was not just one specific thing or way that he was. It was about what I saw and, and joined into that vision because I believed in the products. What do you think he was learning from you during this process? I, I don't think, we never talked about that, ever. I mean, today he realizes and appreciates the different point of view that I brought. Um, whereas we were both, in the beginning, we were both very much in the forefront, talking to customers and out there, and then it kind of changed, and I was more in the front because he was better doing the back office things. Um, once we went from just doing Italian products to also in Spain, I know he's very appreciative of that. He, it was nothing he ever saw or ever wanted to do. It was something that I kind of just said, look, if we're going to do this for your family's cheese, then you have to let me go to Spain when you feel that, you know, your products are, you feel comfortable with where we've gotten to them and on the way but I need to bring great Manchego to this country. Um, it's terrible for my standards and I just can't do it. And I want to show the American public through a great Manchego how great Spain is. Um, so I think I taught him a lot about Spain. Um, I, I don't know if I taught him about PR because we just never really talked about things in, the, in that way. Just later on, I know that he was super appreciative to have been able to move into Spain because Spain has been a very great thing for, for the company. Um, it was something that nobody was really spending any time doing. And I wanted to do it because I love Spain. And he agreed and he gave me that leeway to follow my instincts. And he supported me in doing that, which is very important. Very important. Um, to have even the, the trust in me in what it is to say, you know, we should do a company together. Hmm. So I give him a lot of credit for giving me my path or allowing me to find the path and to help the company get to where it is today. But very much it's been a partnership of two. It's not just him and it's not just me. I truly believe that we wouldn't be where we are today without both of us doing what we've done working tirelessly hmm. to get here. And were you excited that the path is taking you next? Uh, there's a lot of things. It's easy to try and we're very focused on our countries of Italy, Spain, Portugal, and now Croatia. 
and I still kind of really feel like I want to complement things with the former Yugoslavia and do find other amazing things. But it can't just be anything. It has to have a reason, um, a purpose, or something that just totally makes me fall head over heels, like when I brought the Italian, the Sprizzolona, which is this crumbly cookie from Mantova, which is kind of a jump because it's not cheese and it's more of a sweet. But there are certain things that we flip over. Like years ago, we brought cho- chocolami, a salami de chocolate from, from Portugal, that it was one of the products that we were not able to be very successful with. But we're both sad because we would just eat it all the time. <laughs> and I'm looking within our very same countries just still to complete the different regions. Really like to have something from every region. Looking very hard to see if there's something new that's coming out. I would wish for Portugal that somebody would become more innovative and come out with new, because at least in cheese, nobody's doing much that's new or exceptional. But their DOP cheeses are amazing. Um, but sometimes I don't know what I'm looking for and where it's going. Uh, we, we just kind of have to continually feel the marketplace and hear it. And, and then adapt. And what, one of my biggest jobs is just to figure out what's that next greatest thing that I can bring here that none of us knew that we needed. You're the, you're the head treasure hunter. <laughs> <laughs> you're searching the world for treasures. Now, you're, you're going in and essentially working with these artisanal families overseas, and, and you're, you're pretty much you know, setting a vision of this... A family who may just have a farm and they have a product and they sell to the local market or something. I don't know. But how do you go in there? You know, how do you choose what families you want to work with? And how do you communicate the vision that you have that the world needs to see their product? Well, today is not only small producers. Our country doesn't really allow us to just do that now. Um, there are so many regulations, too many the boring part that aren't fun to talk about, but they make it very difficult to just have the small, tiny artisan when I would go see Serra d'Estrella being made and it was mom and, you know, the husband and wife family just cooking over a stove to make the cheese that would take them all day and night to make it. They can't do all the paperwork. That's, or they could do the paperwork, but they probably couldn't do all the other things that are needed or the analysis to make sure that your E. coli is less than 10, or the thousands of other things. In today's world, there's something called FISMA. So us as importers have to make sure that the products are safe for the American public, and the government can come at any time and check us, and it's done through um, a whole bunch of paperwork. So not everyone can do that. So I have lost some artisans from it. But over the years, and in general... It was, I mean, if you really have to like convince somebody too much, it's probably not going to work that well because you have to do work for making it happen. But we've been able to work with small people because, one, I believe truly because it's, I speak the language and because I live there and they can see just how much it means to me and to us, how much we care about cheese, how much we love what we do. Uh, we've always talked about the fact that we come from, we represent producers. So it's, we're importers here. But I was um, taught 
in a family of producers, cheese producers. And it's different, the viewpoint. Because you know you're talking to someone who you value every curd, everything you do, and the process of how they make something, and how that we're working alongside them. And it's a partnership. It's not like I tell you what I need and you do it or you're out of here. But it's something that we do together. And that if they made me great cheese, in the past it was just pretty much, you make me great cheese. I'll tell you the different things you need to do to just get it to this point, And I'll bring it to the country and I will be the face of it. You know, we're going to tell people about it, sample it, treat it with respect. Above all, I want to make sure, we wanted to make sure we treated that product with respect. So when you ate it here, it was just like you ate it in your home country. And that very often, you know, swayed people. I mean, they wanted to be part of that. I convinced some people who had so little cheese, they had like lines of people waiting in Europe to buy it, but I still got some of the cheese. And I felt super happy about that. It was not difficult to sell it because it was really expensive and really delicate. But those few pieces I could get, there were people who always would take them. But I knew that I couldn't sustain that relationship once everything started to change. Um, A small producer can't afford to do all the things that are requested now. And some of them did. Still, um, Ramon, may he rest in peace, he passed away very young, and he made an amazing sheep cheese in Basque Country. It was a blue. And he did so much to make it happen. Um, But it was very difficult. Um, analyses, how much to send, paper, and today it's even more challenging than that. But I really believe it, it stems with people really feeling where you come from. And then in, in the larger companies, just showing how, you know, how serious you are and how organized you are. And again, for us, it's still always about the partnership with the people. I mentioned to you that book that we did to commemorate our 20th anniversary. Well, that book was to thank our customers for supporting us all these years, for going out on the limb when we brought them crazy things like Marcona almonds and fig cakes and one of the very, 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 very few Pecorino Romanos from the countryside of Rome, which you so love, the Fulvi. (laughs) But it was also to thank our producers because without them, without either part of them, we're no one. That's a pretty neat, you know, that's such a universal message where, you know, in business, it's not about someone winning and someone losing. It's about both of us winning together in partnership. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, we've just always viewed it that way. That's what I learned. It's also about Italian and Spanish culture, too. It's about how people are and what I fell in love with when I went first to study in Spain that made me want to live there for life and then found about Italy. Family, feelings, people, it's not just all about business. It's not just working your whole life. It's um, working to live, not living to work. Um, But in what we do, that partnership is really about, I mean, these people are are my friends. These are my family. They're people that I'm look forward to seeing when I go and I bring people or I just go visit them. We need to be business-like and stern on the one side, but there are people, and some of them are coming now, and we just can't wait because we enjoy their company. 
in addition to them being artists and making great products. And I, that's just even, even further. It's not just, it's never been just about, you know, business. It goes beyond. And, and, you know, you're using all of these products as a vehicle to bring that, the family and the feelings and the values from Italy, Spain, Croatia, Portugal over to America. How do you hope that it will positively impact American culture for years to come in a small way or a big way? Well, I, I mean, I didn't know much about Croatia before I went and a friend of mine introduced me to Pashkisir and I fell in love with Croatia like big time, but just through the Adriatic Sea. And when I started to talk about this cheese, I was helping people learn where Croatia was. Because a lot of people didn't know or didn't know much about it. Each time we bring a part of one of these things, it's really what I hope to do. I want them to learn. I want them to be curious about Croatia. I want them to want to know more about it. Pashkisir is like the premier cheese that comes there. Some of the other Croatians who have had, they'd be like, I could never afford that cheese. This is great that I get to try it because it was very much the high-end cheese that's there. Or if we bring something from, I don't know, Lyon or a small town in Lyon, you know, and people are like, I've never heard of, where is that? And so maybe they'll go and they'll learn where that is on a map because, you know, I don't know about you, but we didn't have to take European history. And you learn geography, but it's not like you remember it all. And I find that Europeans are much more educated than we are about where everything is in the world. And my way of learning was I had to go there. I had to be there. And so my way of helping to share that is through the cheeses and other specialty things so that people can get a vision, a mind. Who are these people? Where are they? What's the terroir? What's the tradition? Is this modern take on tradition? And all of that, I believe, is, is so very important to the product, but just to our life process. That's pretty cool. If you could have Pierluigi teach a class to the people in your life right now that don't know him as well as you know him, or, or just random people in a class or a business setting, etc., what would you have him teach? Of course he's going to teach about Fulvi, Pecorino <laughs> Romano. That message will never, ever, ever die. That's a story that has to be told forever and ever because there's not enough credit given to that cheese. And, you know, people think of it more as an industrial product and they don't still, with all the years that we talk about how our cheese is not as dry, not as hard, not as salty, that we don't skim the milk, so it's a different piece of cheese. Uh, you know, it doesn't grate finely and disappear, and it, it's a cheese that you can eat. But that people still exalt other cheeses more. And this cheese, Fulvi, needs that legacy, the talk about what's special. And it's always a treat to hear him talk about it. And, um, you know, that's where we came from. And that's where he came from. He grew up with that in his car, ground, everywhere, <laughs> and as part of a way of life. And it's been, th been threatened for the past years. There's almost nobody left. And 
that's really a shame. From his family that's... From producers of Pecorino Romano in the countryside of Rome. Oh. Fulvia's, Fulvia's virtually one of the very, 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 very last. Unless oh there's gosh. somebody else just making a couple wheels because they've been all forced. They've all gone out of business. So how do we, how do we save that region? How do we save Pecorino, Pecorino Romano as a, as a region? Well, see, what happened is, is um, Pecorino Romano can be made in the countryside of Rome or it can be in Sardinia mm-hmm. now. And 97.8% of all cheese is now made in Sardinia. Um, in, Pe- in Rome, in the countryside of Rome, the sheep produce less milk, but it's richer in fat and protein. And the way we make the cheese and we age it twice as long as others, it just costs more than others. It's education, tasting, education, tasting. When you have more people grouping together for a common purpose, and you have the same purpose, then you can get to great heights. Um, It's always been a bit of a challenge for Sardinia and Rome to have the same ideology. And so they haven't built it as much as, for example, like the Parmigiano-Reggiano producers. Saving Pecorino Romano from the countryside of Rome? I don't know. We'll, we do everything I, we can for Fulvi, for other producers. Some of the, one of the most major ones recently just went, went under a year and a half ago, too. And so that's why I say if there's other people left, they're just, just making a couple wheels here and there, but nobody really making a sizable amount besides, um, you know, the family and Pierluigi's um, family that's in the making Fulvi. I don't know why I can't talk. But I was just there, and I'm just thinking about it. So it's education, having people eat them together with your wonderful sauce mm-hmm. that you were telling me about, <laughs> and giving people other ways to use it. Um, it's a step-by-step, one-day-at-a-time sort of thing. I love it. And in closing, if you could, if you could, if you were sitting in this room across from Pier Luigi right now, what would you say to him? Sorry, it's, um, I think that it's summed up. We recently got an award from Whole Foods Gifts, an award for, for quality, raising the bar to quality and an excellence and so we were together in Austin and we had some time just to talk and to kind of look back on things um I would just always say thank you for the opportunity thank you for your great ideas thank you for teaching me and thank you for enabling me to be me and to go out and to add my own touch and flair to what's become our baby. You know, the product this is, you know, it is. It's been, Forever Cheese has been a labor of love all these, into our 21st year. Um, loving every single day, but also a challenge. You know, a challenge, one that whenever one sort of finishes, there'll always be the next ones that keep you on your toes. But overall, it's just, it's a big thank you. I'm crying right now. (laughs) 
Any last words in closing? Just thanks to you for, it's amazing that you love our tea so much. Fulvi is, you know, definitely our baby and the rock that allows us to go out and to do all these other crazy things or me or whatever, be flash rouge all over the world. And really, thank you for being someone who um, uses it, who talks about it, who champions it. And that just <laughs> is amazing. Thank you. Well, Michelle, thank you for being with us here today. And Oh, God, I'm tearing up. <laughs> uh, I, I tried to hold my... <laughs> you know, to all our listeners out there that are listening to this very special episode, um, by golly, you know, Michelle hit everything that we're all about on the head. Right? How do you, how do you empower the people around this world the families, the artisans, the people who who build products with their hands, how do you empower their message of humanity to spread with this world? It's not all about business. It's, it's about relationships and partnerships and win-win situations. And I can't think of a better example than, than, than what they've built at Forever Cheese. Um, so I, I hope you have learned everything the same way that I've learned today. I hope you go straight out to the store and look for one of their over 500 products, <laughs> most most notably their Pecorino Romano Fulvi, uh, which, by the way, is by far and away my favorite cheese in this world, and you can ask any of our partners or friends that. Um, so go out and, and, and get some, and uh, if you like this episode, please share it with your friends. Subscribe on iTunes. Hope you all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode.